Bits of Sachane on K-Talk, your number one news and talk station. How you doing though? No, yeah, good. You got that mountain man look thing going again. <laughs> what was going on? It's just a different look. <laughs> You're the only one in my life who has not been able to get used to it. <laughs> Is Ella used to it? Ella's used to it as well. Oh, yes. okay. All right. I'll, I'll talk to her about it. I'll, I'll whisper something in her ear. <laughs> Tim, of course, as as we normally do, starting off with um, uh, the uh, wrap for the week in terms of rescues. Yeah, so the rescues, there were just three call-outs um, and all ended well, nothing too major. I think uh, two of them were just sort of standbys um, and the, the people were able to either be walked out um, or uh, assisted without a major response. All right, and then uh, safety recap. So the safety recap: um, there's a meeting um, between the city, the um, SAPs, and um, Sandpox um, scheduled for tomorrow, which is very encouraging. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna sit down and they're gonna go through all the information that they need to prepare for season, and come up with plans um, to keep us try and keep us as safe as possible on the mountains, which is great news. Lovely. And we are today going to be talking map reading. Yeah. Hmm. If you've got stories to tell of how you learned how to read maps, how it's helped you be part of the conversation, 021-446-0567, or any other hiking-related questions, Tim Lundy is here. Map reading? Hmm? Yeah, map reading. It's uh, one of those things that um, there are quite a few people who have no idea how to read maps. Um and it is it is a bit of an art skill um, to have, and um, I think it's very necessary that if you're going to go out into the mountains, that you should have that skill, um, at least learn it. Everyone can learn how to do it. Some take a little bit longer than others, um, but yeah, the basics are definitely a must. And we we've always sp- uh, spoken about how to prep for hikes and and walks, but also it it would be to one's benefit. Um, especially if you're going to be venturing outdoors uh, to to know how to read a map and, and also, of course, why it is important yeah. to know how to read a map. Look, I mean, w- when you go on any hike, um, unless you know it like the back of your hand, um, and even when you do know it like the back of your hand, rather just take a map with you. I've always mm-hmm. got a map of Table Mountain um, because you never know. There may be sections on it that you haven't been to, that people refer to, that you don't know. When you've got that map, you can... You can look at the map and you can actually refer to them and figure out where you are and where the other people are or mm. where you need to be. And we know that, you know, the, that a map is not just a map. There are different types of maps, right? Yeah, no, there are. I mean, anything from a road map, which um, I think couples often battle to grasp <laughs> together because one of them can read it and the other one can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it ends up in, in all sorts of car arguments. Um, but yeah, then you have uh, topographical maps, um, navigational maps, which they use obviously out in the ocean, and then just physical maps as well. But the one that we would normally use on the mountains would be topographical. Those right. would be the most useful ones. Um, and so topographical basically has your contours on it. It's got the grid lines on it. It's got where north is um, and lots of landmarks, as many landmarks as possible. Mm. Which would always help. Well, you would think it would. I mean, some some people get completely 
flustered by the fact that there's just too much detail. Um, so when they pull the map out and they're trying to um, orientate themselves with where they are, mm-hmm. um, and then they look at this map and it just seems like there's just too many things on it and they can't quite figure out where they are. I suppose then it it, 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 it goes without saying that if you're going to be, for example, you know, going up Table Mountain for the first time and you're doing it uh, with a map for the first time that you're reading a map, it's not that simple. Don't, don't be clever. Yeah, don't be clever. Don't think that um, that it is just a piece of cake and, and look at it because the problem is if you're holding that map upside down, um, things are not mm. quite mm. orientated mm. the way you mm. think they are. Mm. So mm. left is mm. right and right is left. Um, and people do make that mistake. They They kind of think they know where they are and end up going in the wrong direction. I suppose it would be difficult to, um, with the very limited period that we have now, Tim, to even go into a lesson. But what are some what what are the lessons that you have learned when when using maps? Well, yeah, basically, um, if you out in the open um, and it's raining, not a good idea. Always try and find a, a dry spot. And if the wind's blowing, whatever you do, don't pull the map up because it just acts like a big sail and ends up getting ripped in half or, or blown away. Mm. And you end up running across the mountainside trying to catch it. So, yeah, try and get the right kind of conditions to, to actually be able to open it up. Um, and then orientate yourself with where you are. Um, and that sounds easier than it really is. Sometimes. I was about to say, how do you? I mean, because here I am, I'm on a path, and I pull up the map and... So, oh, okay, so. so generally what you would do, um, one of the easiest ways to do it is find three points. So three landmarks that you can see without before you've even opened up the map. Hmm. So if you can see a mountain on your left-hand side that looks like a big large pimple, um, and you've got one on your right-hand side that looks pretty flat on top, um, and then ahead of you you've got um, a couple of buildings. Those are your three points that you now are going to be looking for. And you can then triangulate from those three points back to where you are. Mm. Um, so you then orientate the map in such a way that, you know, the the map is either is is pointing to true north mm. or to magnetic north. Um, well, it would, in this case, it would be true north. Um, and then line it up so that on the map, that first landmark is to your left mm. on the map. It's on the left of the map. And the the second one is on the right, so that you you've orientated it now, so that you've what you're seeing on the map is what you're seeing in front of you. Yeah. And once you've got that, you can then start to identify different areas, and and work out. You sort of work backwards as to where you are. Yeah. And so, where you need to go. So um, we're on a hike. It's it's crazy cloudy. It's not going to rain. I'm not too sure where the sun is. Um, I'm a bit disorientated. I've got the map. I need to have it point true north. <laughs> How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when it starts becoming a lot more complicated because now your landmarks have disappeared no, sure. because you, you're in mist. So with the map, I would say you've always, in any backpack, you've always got to have a compass. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you're going to orientate that map. Is If the, the map is pointing to north, then you know that you can turn the map around in such a way that it is also pointing. Because on every map, they've obviously got the little arrow that points north. Yeah. Um, so if you line that up with the compass, then you kind of, okay, well, this is where this is, this is where that is, there's a river to my left, this must be the river. And even then, it can it can still be tricky because there's more than one river. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a question, and please help out. O two one four four six zero five six seven. Same scenario that I put to Tim. It's misty. Um, I don't know where the sun is. Uh, I'm disorientated. I pull up a map. I need to find true north, but I also don't have a compass. How do you? No, no, no. I want to see what other people have got to say. Yeah. How do you find north as a start? Because that is the start, right? Yeah. Make exactly. sure you've got your map pointed in the right direction. How yeah. do you identify where north is if you're disorientated and you don't know sunset from sunrise? You're not, you don't have east, west, and also you just, you're stuck, yeah. right? And you need to, you've got the map in front of you, but how do you then identify? I actually don't know the answer to this, so it's not one of those trick questions. How do you find north as a start? Uh, Damon sends us a, a message on the WhatsApp line saying the most important part of map reading is to be able to know where you are, i.e. a grid reference in case you get into trouble. Yeah, mm. cool. But then why, I, don't know, I don't know where north is. I don't have a compass. Exactly. You... You're in a, a spot to bother. Yeah, I'm sure there are tricks. I mean, come on, guys. 021-446-0567, how do you identify where north is, true north, in the event of uh, it's overcast, you don't know where the sun is, sun rising, sun setting, you don't know, um, and you've got a map and you don't have a compass. Do you have an answer to that? I don't. Um, I'm never walking Look, <laughs> Look, when I did my mountain guiding course, part of part of it is map reading mm-hmm. and, and navigation. And we set off at 10 o'clock at night into the middle of the Cedarburg. And I was the only one doing on-trail overnight, um, which basically that's a qualification that I'm allowed to, in the Western Cape, I'm allowed to lead overnight trails, um, but it's got to be on a trail. It's got to be on a path. Um, The rest of them were doing off-trail. And at some point, they stopped me from leading, and then somebody took over, and we then left the road and just headed up a ravine. And halfway up the ravine, the guy turned around and said, right, where are we? Where are we on this map? And um, luckily I wasn't leading, so I didn't have to <laughs> give the answer. But um, you still have to learn and, and give give your reasons. One of the ways that we did it at night was the North Star. Um, you, you use the North Star and you can more or less gauge where North is. Mm-hmm. And then you orientate the map, which of course it's pitch dark, so you work off a headlamp. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you you roughly gauge it and then, okay, we, we up this river here and then you start looking for landmarks, which at night is incredibly difficult and with mist, almost impossible. Damon is in Durbanville. How are you doing, brother? Hey man, I'm so you know it's lucky to chat to you guys again. Uh, hi Mike, how are you? It's uh, Tim. Tim, hi. you're making that mistake sorry, again, Tim. D. <laughs> Tim, sorry, man. No worries. Book. Um, the most uh, you, you hit the, the nail on the head. The biggest uh, enemy of anybody, people at sea. Uh, I'm a coastal skipper because of yachting and fishing. And having obviously been a map reader in the military, I was in the intelligence corps. And I, in fact, what you said earlier reminded me of a situation once in Angola where I had the map upside down and I almost led us into a Cuban base. <laughs> so orientation of the map is very important. But um, mist is your biggest enemy. Um, in other words, the guys at sea, that's why they have foghorns because they, can, they know when they're near the land. Mist actually disorientates people. I've heard that pilots, airline pilots, not airline pilots, pilots in small aircraft, can be flying at a 45-degree angle in mist 
It's like flying blind, and they won't even yeah. know that because your body feels that you're safe. So mist uh, is a very, very difficult thing to deal with. But another another issue I want you to talk about, maybe, if, if, if it's interesting, is magnetic declination. Yes. Um, in other words, you've got a compass. I, I've got a Casio watch, which shows me where True North is, which is actually a very handy thing to have. They're not very expensive, and you can actually orientate yourself very well and, or, or orientate yourself, and then you're, you can... Uh, adjust your map accordingly with with the watch if you don't have a compass but magnetic declination i think is running at about 17 degrees at the moment or something like okay. that i haven't actually checked and, what it is at the moment but and there's are. a very interesting uh, way to use it properly uh, um in other words your 17 17 degrees out on the map can be quite a lot you can be walking north east instead of north yeah or northwest instead of north so uh, the little thing we learned in the military was mag to grid you rid in other words from your compass to your your map, map. you take it off yes yes and grid to mag you add yes wait that sounds so, so familiar where did i learn that <laughs> that sounds his so schooling is coming back to him something <laughs> yeah. something about that sounds very very familiar you obviously a boy scout Will you? No. <laughs> oh, okay. It wasn't so sailing. Sailing. Mag- was it in sailing? Magnetic. Oh, sailing probably, yes. Yeah, yeah it was yes, a sailing. That's sailing. what it is. Yeah. Yes. Mag to grid, you read the declination, which and, and the maps, the latest maps will tell you what the declination is. And that's about the Earth's true north and, and the gravitational pull. Or the, uh, in, in other words, the compass is showing you something that's not true north. So you take it off. Mag to grid, yeah, you take it off the compass to the map and you add it from the map to the compass. And that, that that is quite a very interesting part of, of map reading, I find. Yes. Yep. No, anyway. it, and and it, the thing is as well, you, every year it changes. You know, mm. your magnetic mm. declination does change. I think it gets added on. Yeah. I think in about a thousand years' time it will go full 360. Yeah. Yeah. So it, <laughs> it, it is anyway. It is quite um, quite bizarre. Uh, that that can play a huge role. One of the things that we did when we were doing the, the guiding course as well is we had to go and set out waypoints yes. um, and then make up our own map and, and use oh the amount of steps. But then we had to go and find the other team's waypoints in the dark oh with oh given dear. coordinations. And I remember getting extremely frustrated because we couldn't find the one because one of the guys in the previous team had got it out by two degrees. Yeah. And because of the two degrees, we kept on going off course. Mm. You know, mm. when you, the further out you go from your point, the, the more wider off, the angle is. Yeah, the more yeah. off course you go. And yes. these guys had put it in the middle of the river as a joke. And oh, dear. I ended up somewhere in a camp with a sense of humor left back at the, <laughs> the waypoint. <laughs> Do you think way, while, yeah? I'm, while I'm chatting to you guys, I'm looking up at the moon. Don't forget about the tomorrow uh, night. eclipse tomorrow. Yes, 8.24. If it's not cloudy, Mars is also very close, or Venus is very close to Earth. Um, is it not overcast tomorrow night? Because I think it's full uh, raining, but it might clear up. Uh, the eclipse is at eight twenty-four p.m. Nice. You can see I really like the stars and the Earth, and, yes. and uh, yeah. That's anyway. fine. <laughs> Thanks a lot, show, guys. Thank you. Thank so you very much for calling in. Bye. Thanks, Damon, in uh, Durbanville. We got a message earlier from uh, Errol saying Mars and Jupiter shining in all their glory on either side of the moon. Errol. Look outside. <laughs> Look outside. Uh, 31567 is the SMS line. You can also join the conversation like Damon just did on 021-446-0567. Um, 
how, how does the, the the scale on a map actually work, Tim? Okay, so you you always see maps where it goes one in ten thousand, one in twenty thousand. Um, basically, what it means is one centimeter on the on the map mm-hmm. is the equivalent to twenty thousand centimeters on the ground. Um, and you're not going to go now and try and measure twenty thousand centimeters. You've got to obviously convert it into kilometers. But what it does is it helps you work out that how much in distance on the map is an actual reality. So when you when you're trying to measure a distance, you different maps are taken from different heights. Um, so the distances are different. The 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 scale is different. You get one in a five thousand, one in twenty thousand, one in a hundred thousand sometimes. Um, so it affects your distance. So if you're trying to work out a distance, you need to know what that scale is. Otherwise, you just not. There's no set standard for every single map. So it's not the rand dollar exchange rate. Well, it is kind of because that keeps on changing all the time <laughs> as well. <laughs> it's more like the Zimbabwean dollar rand exchange rate. <laughs> take it easy. Take it easy. I got family in Zimbabwe. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know what that exchange rate is, but it's a lot more than one in twenty thousand. <laughs> you mentioned earlier. I mean, the, the the detail that is needed in the map, be able to see contours and whatnot, and how how can contour lines help you see depth and height? So not everybody can can see it. Um, it, it is you either. I, I, my feelings, you're either born with it or you're not. Um, you can either see things in three dimensions when they're actually two dimensional, and contours will help you see that three dimension. So when you look at a mountain, if you get that mountain, you you lay it flat on the ground. Hmm. You've got to be able to show every hundred meters or every twenty meters. Um, where there is a line that goes the whole way around at exactly the same altitude the whole way. Mm. And so when you've got those lines put in place, you can actually then see, not everybody can see it, but you can actually see the, the three-dimensional, the, the shape of the mountain. But surely seeing it is what's going to help me. So if not everybody can see it, can it, I learn? That's where it becomes, you, you, you should be able to learn how to do it. I mean, once people do start to get it, um, so when you see a cliff face, I mean, Lion's Head's a perfect example where you've got that cylindrical shape. Mm. And so the, the, the contours are all in a circle going around and they get smaller and smaller and smaller as they get higher and higher to the, to the top of the mountain. Um, but on the one side of Lion's Head, as you know, is sheer cliffs. And so when the lines, the two contours, your, let's say your 150 meter and your 170 meter, when those two lines are almost on top of each other, Mm. then you know that those are 20 meters apart, yet they're almost on top of each other, which basically means you're looking at a cliff. Mm. The further apart the contours are, the gap between them, the flatter the land is. Wait, say that again? The The further the contours, so if your 20 meter and your 40 meter are really far apart, the ground is a lot, lot flatter. The closer they are together, where they if they're on top oh, of each other, oh, then you know oh. you're looking at a cliff. Where all your oh. contours all overlap each other. Right. That's a cliff. Yeah. Which is also why sometimes in looking at and you know, maps and the contours that you will see a high concentration of, of, of the lines and then it will be and exactly. go wider and wider and yeah. then go up again. So So that's that's why I say lion's head is a perfect example because the lower down you go, the wider the rings become away from each other yeah and the 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 closer you get to the top 
the smaller the circles get or the contours mm-hmm. and the closer they get together. Nice. So when you're looking at a mountain and you see those contours really, really close and your path is crossing over those, you know you're in for some very, very steep ground. And you can then work it out as well in terms of for every meter you go forward, how many meters are you climbing? In fully understanding, um, or at least uh, as much as we could explain this evening, uh, maps, there's also something very important, Tim, which I overlooked, the the, the need to always have, have a map that is up to date. Yes. Look, I mean, as we were talking just now, maps do change because your, your magnetic declination changes. Um, so that does affect the angle at which your, your compass is pointing versus what your map is reading, and you can go slightly off. Generally, on mountains, it's not a massive problem because they've, they've got pathways marked on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the thing, the thing with, with maps, um, and I think my father, father learned this on one of his first books, was that he would say, you know, follow this path, get to the tree, and then turn left. And people would then get to the tree, but there wasn't a tree. Mm-hmm. They'd cut the tree down. Oops. So now <laughs> you've you got people starting to get lost because they're trying to look for this tree. And, of course, he'd put it on the map. He'd put this tree. So one of the things that, that you try and do now when with landmarks is permanent landmarks, like a big rock mm. or a building, something that is solid because trees and bushes come and go. Right. Fires come through, wipe them out. Forest, whole forests get taken down. I mean, Takai Forest now, when you look at a map, you'll see a forest there. You go to Takai Forest, it's just Takai. There is no forest. Yeah. Tim, we are out of time. Uh, thank you mm. very much. Uh, email him for mountain guiding, tim at capetownhiking.co.za. On Facebook, Cape Town Hiking with Tim Lundy. On Twitter, at Hiking Cape Town. YouTube, Cape Town Hiking. Instagram, Cape Town Hiking. Appreciate